that was enough for us to get started. And then uh, the big like, oh shit moment was, you know, I went onto my social media a week before we were gonna open on a Monday. It was two months to the day that they shut us down. That was our plan to reopen because once we decided, we, we said, all right, well, we gotta open with a plan. You know, we can't, we can't just open and not know what we're talking about. We need to do the research. We need to do a safety protocol. And our safety protocol was so far above and beyond what anybody was doing. Every single person in the gym would have a spray bottle. We, we distanced the whole gym six feet apart. There was markings on the ground, new air filters, air scrubbers. We went so overboard. Um, and I got in front of my camera. I wrote this little speech. I probably like rewrote it like 40 times and I probably did 40, 40 more takes. I was so nervous because I was talking to my phone and, you know, I just said, hey, you know, we're Attila's gym. This is who we are. Um, a lot of you guys know us. Some of you might not, but we're going to reopen our gym come next Monday. Uh, and here's why. Um, and here's how we're going to keep people safe. And um, I woke up the next morning and, you know, at the time I had, a, I don't know, maybe 8,000 followers on Instagram or something. It was, you know, I had a, a small fitness account. And uh, the, the video had like 100,000 views. And that was like, oh shit. Like, and the comments were back and forth. It was like, why you're gonna kill people, you know, whatever. And then there's people like, you know, just wildly supporting us, asking if they could come from New York to work out and you know, all this stuff. And that was like that first moment where I was like, oh, this is big. Like this isn't gonna be a, a quiet thing. Dude, we all have the best time ever to start a small business. If I'm not going to be 100% in, I'm not going to do it. Come on, man. Just be yourself. Yeah, and, like, and just show up as yourself. If you don't realize what I'm really about, I'm about freedom, family, and my country. Ian, cheers. Cheers. Thanks for coming, dude. This is fucking awesome to have you. Happy to be here. It's an honor. For those of you uh, who follow Ian... This show is really predicated on helping more people get to financial freedom. As a young guy, I had a very hardworking father, drove an oil truck, a mother who did activities. They played bingo with the old people, made like eight fifty an hour, and uh, really struggled financially for a long time. And uh, as I was coming up, I had other things go on in my life, but I got to be really chippy and got kicked out of school and there wasn't many people as I started to come into the financial game who was willing to turn around and help me. And I said, once I have a couple shekels, I'm gonna do something to help people. And that's what myself and Evan and everybody who has helped us with this podcast knew that this was about. And you embody freedom. You embody getting to that financial freedom so they can't control you. Yeah. We talked about that sooner. So really honored to have you. This can be good. You're a Jersey guy, East Coast. Born and bred, man. We got our event coming up, the event New Jersey. Hopefully we can have you stop by. Yeah, man, I'd love to. Yeah, Keaton and myself and, and, and Nick and a bunch of good dudes. So thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's a privilege. Thank you. Thank you for the warm welcome. Yeah, absolutely, man. You stood for freedom. That fucking mattered to me <laughs> and everybody I know. So usually what I do is I kind of chronologically walk through people's lives. We try to pull out some business sure. nuggets. We talk about some freedom. We talk about wherever the conversation takes us. So you grew up in Mount Laurel, about 45 minutes west of here. Um, for those of you who watch that aren't from Jersey. 
And the Philly part of Jersey. Philly part of Jersey. So you're an Eagles fan? <laughs> yes. A little upset about that loss? Uh, it was a good game, man. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't fall. And the Chiefs are hard to hate, man. They are. Mahomes is a good dude. They're, it's a lot easier to hate the Giants or hate the hate the Cowboys or somebody like that or even like New England. Whoa, 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 dude. I'm a Cowboys fan, bro. <laughs> it was a it was a good game. You know, it was it was a really good season. So I can't be too mad at it. Jalen Hurts is a stud. I don't think he's going anywhere. No, 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 no. no. He's, he's a man a, with purpose. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's an impressive young man. You know what I mean? A lot of these a lot of these guys, uh, you know, they they might be good at football, but they're not necessarily like great role models, especially for all the young, you know, the young kids who are watching them play. Um, and that's somebody that you know I wouldn't mind my kids looking up to. Absolutely, you know, playing 100%. football at a young age, a guy like that. So. What he went through at Alabama, the way he kept his class about him, and continued winning, and then <clears throat> coming into the NFL and doing what he's done. Yep, and, and he had short. that opportunity, and it all, all that, all that poise, <coughs> kind of paid off for him very well, you know. And it, it'll be paying off for for quite a long time if as long as he keeps it up. So, besides you being a Philly fan, which is now a mark against you, <laughs> what's like in you, you know, Mike? I don't know if you should drive him home. So, you went to, and I'm going to fast forward. Went to high school, mm-hmm. end up going away to college. You yep. originally went to Stockton University or Man. Stockton College, as it was called at the time. And you ran into some trouble there. They, they're like, we're done with you. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I was a, I was a pretty rough around the edges kid. You know, I didn't have a whole lot of, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of male guidance growing up. You know, my dad struggled with his own issues, so it was, it was mom, and uh, you know, she did the best a mom can do. But you know, at the end of the day, no matter how good a mom does, she can't turn a boy into a man. So, you know, my teenage years, I was getting in trouble. I was just, you know. I was, a, I was a knucklehead, uh, and and being a knucklehead kind of led to one thing, and uh, and before I knew it, I was kind of I was kind of an asshole. Um, you know, I didn't really have a whole lot of regard for anybody else. Um, you know, the world was mine to take from. You know, I didn't really uh, I didn't really give a whole lot back. It was all about what I could get from people, places, and things. Um, and I wound up in a world of trouble when I was at Stockton University. I got in a car accident that ended the life of a young man. You know, 100% my fault. I was doing 60, 70 miles per hour on a back road, driving like, you know, your typical 20-year-old who thinks yeah. he's invincible and what he does has no impact on the world. And, you know, I got snapped out of that really quick. So I wound up doing five years in prison as a result of that. So it cut my my time at Stockton. They did wipe their hands of me. Um, yeah. You know, and, but and I was expelled for that and went away for five years. So I was put on hold in my 20s, put in, uh, in timeout. For me personally, I, I don't cast judgment on you. That's horrible that a life was lost. Uh, but I had a very good friend, Ryan Ortlip, who was a really good dude. Um, but he lived for speed. Yeah. And, you know, we were all having a couple cocktails late night, and he hopped on a Hayabusa, and he was doing some pretty crazy speeds, and, you know, his life was ended. Yeah. And uh, that could have been someone else's life too. You know, he had no malicious intent, obviously just being young and dumb and, yeah. you know, full of piss and vinegar and that happens yeah neither did i but but it doesn't matter at the end of the day you know that you you can't you can't say and i tried you know i I cried in the courtroom and i walked around for years and years and years with that guilt but you can't say i didn't mean it to the people that affected yeah you know that doesn't that doesn't have any bearing on on what they've lost and it doesn't do anything to make their pain any better you know and i had to learn to live with that that my actions um as juvenile as they were you know it's just a kid rushing on his way to work in the morning um you know but the truth of the matter is is that's how i acted in in all of my affairs i was very just selfish you know i wasn't i wasn't concerned about what was going on in the world um it was all about what i needed to do and that morning i needed to get to work 
you know, and that's the way I looked at it. And it, it's, it's terrible what happened, um, you know, and people have a right to judge me. You know, I, I've, I've had to learn to live with that and I've been judged a lot for it. Um, but one of the things in prison, you know, I remember when I was going through the process, you know, I was out on, on bail for a year or so, kind of dealing with the charges. And uh, <clears throat> one, of the, uh, one of the detectives on the case, you know, I came in, you know, a mess, you know, stricken with guilt, you know, 20 years old, trying to, trying to, trying to digest what had just happened. Um, and he said to me, and he was like, you know, I'll, I'll never forget it. He said, uh, you know, he's like, I know you don't understand this now. And he's like, and you're probably asking yourself why. And, you know, he's like, um, he's like, but I've been responding to, to car accidents for, you know, for a long time. And he said, when I pulled up at the scene, he said, I was, I was certain that there was two casualties that day. And he said, and there you were, you know, knocked out, but you were, you were alive and well. He said, so you're, you're very lucky. And he said, all I can say is, don't let two lives go to waste. You know, he's like, you gotta, you gotta figure out a way to do something good with your life to maybe give a little bit back to the world. And that stuck with me. You know, I took that with me everywhere I went. I still do. I still think about that conversation, um, you know, and, and it's, uh, what it's- a great thing to say to a young man in oh, he a really tough position. He could have crushed me. He could have, yeah. I mean, like, cause I mean, you're a loser, you're the problem with the he world. He could have leveled me. And I was, I was so vulnerable in that moment. I had, you know, I had so many tears in my eyes. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't speak. You know, I was so choked up. Um, you know, just, I was, I was scared about what was gonna happen to me, but I was also just, just absolutely stricken with guilt. You know, never in a million years did I ever mean to do that. Um, and he could have just leveled me. He could have, he could have called me a piece of shit and he, he wouldn't have been wrong in that. Uh, but he chose to, to, to give me those words. You know, and I'm pretty sure he knew what he was doing. You know what I mean? And, and that's, that stuck with me for a very, it's, it's still with me till today. You know, when I catch myself slipping, you know, just kind of resorting to uh, the easier way Old you know, triggers. Yeah, old triggers. Old you know, people fall into old habits if you're not very conscious of it. And uh, that voice pops into my head, you know, and it, 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 it rings as loudly as it did in that moment. It's really impressive to hear you walk through it because I know I've done this self-work of, you know, Ryan was this kid who was, you know, from a family who didn't do well. Then I was classified with ADHD. They labeled me. Then I was acting out. Then I got kicked out of high school. So as you grow up as a man, you have to work through that stuff and say, I was an asshole. I was a jerk off. I was doing things that were wrong to get yourself to that next person who is the better man. Yeah. And uh, I personally believe people like that guy are angels in your life. Like that dude spoke something in you mm -hmm. that to this day has you walk that line as you describe it. And yeah, I'm happy you shared that, dude. That's some, some good yeah, shit. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's super easy. And I, I say this when I speak, you know, I, I, I speak a lot about the Attila's Jim saga, you know, and people kind of like raved us as heroes. Uh, and it's, it's super easy for me to talk about how, how cool it was when we told the, the New Jersey government to go fuck themselves. Mm. You know, that's easy because people like that story. But in order for me to honestly tell that story, I do have to be honest about who I was. Yeah. You know, because people listening to that, everybody's messed up somewhere in their lives. Well, they're going to come after you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But even, even now in the aftermath of it, you know, when I tell people that I, I have to be honest with them about who I was because it's, it's too easy and it, it's, it's, it's not real me being like, oh, I'm, I'm the hero. And it's like, yeah, I, I've done some good stuff, but I've also done some very, very bad stuff. And that's an important lesson I think that people need to learn because a lot of people walk around carrying guilt um, 
and it limits them from doing anything better because they, they start to think of themselves as a bad person because of something bad they did. And, or they're too afraid to elevate and what others will say if they catch on that guilt or yeah, you know, what they did wrong. Or they, they hide it, you know what I mean? And, and when you put yourself out there, um, you have to accept the good and the bad. Um, you know, and I, I remember another thing that was said to me. It was a family member of the young man who passed away in the accident. It was the day of the sentencing. This individual walked up to me and she handed me a card. Didn't say anything and walked away. When I opened the card, and this was like minutes before my sentencing, all it said on the inside was, I don't hate you, I hate what you did. You know, and that, that was another thing that stuck with me because for the longest time, <clears throat> I just wanted to quit. You know, after the accident, you know, it, it was the only way I can describe it, and I say this all the time when I talk about it, is I was so checked out that my phone would ring and it wouldn't even el el elicit a response to go look at it. Like, it was just a sound. You would disconnect. So, I was so, Depressed. I was just wallowing in it, you know, and, and stuff like that gave me some sort of footing to kind of make my way back and, and find some atonement for what I had done. And then be able to, with that atonement, move forward and, and actually, you know, like the, like the, uh, the detective said, you know, do some good. You know, because I wasn't able to do that when I was just walking around carrying all that guilt with me. Yeah, I, and I don't want to speed your story up, but what you did with Attilus, Jim, in my personal opinion, whether it's legal or whatever, the, the state of New Jersey tried to say, I thought you did a lot of good for the country, for standing up for freedom. Thank you. Thank um, you. And I think that most people would say the same, and the majority would say the same. Yes, it's, it's, you know, it was, to us at the time, it was very obvious that, hey, we need to do this. You know, I remember those early days. We were a brand new business at the time. We were nine months in. That's you know. crazy. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my partner and I had bought this failing gym, you know, and, and uh, we knew it was failing. It was like three, six months behind on all its bills. It had about 100 people a day walking through. You know, it's a 14,000 some odd square foot facility. 100 people a day is a ghost town. Um, and we knew all that going in. Um, and we worked, we worked hard, man. We just, we followed the American dream, work hard, do the right thing, you know, provide good service and, you know, the business will grow and it did, you know, but nine months in, we weren't prepared to, to slow down at all, you know, so we kept working, you know, we, we shut our doors obviously because even though we were skeptical, we didn't know enough to confidently stay open. You know, at the end of the day, no one did. I was wiping down food. I yeah, mean, no yeah, one yeah. I was wiping my groceries for a yeah. couple of days and stuff. I had a four-month-old you know? son. You know, you don't yeah, yeah. And then, but what we did was we kept going to work because there was plenty of work to be done. And it was uh, it was very jarring driving down the highway. You know, driving down I two ninety five. You know, I'm like passing the Morristown Mall and the Cherry Hill Mall, and these stores are packed. And then I'm pulling into the little strip mall that Attilus is in. And it's like, man, this just don't make sense. Yeah, you know, well, and, and yeah. I had, we both had it. We had this gut feeling like we have to do this. You know, we have an opportunity to, to do our part in what's right. And we knew it was right. It was crystal clear after the first couple days once we started doing our homework and we started paying attention to the politics and to the science. You know, we wanted to know who was shutting us down. It was the politicians and why. You know, we were, we were being shown, if you remember that time, People dropping dead, you know, just falling over, and you know that death counter in the in the corner of every yeah. news agency. Death was, counter can't be good. Yeah, you know, it was like you know, so it was it was very. Where's the death counter for this train thing that just happened? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, seriously. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and that's I don't know just what's going on there either. But that's just a that just shows you 
you know, how, how manufactured that whole thing was because mm-hmm. you, you have something going on like that today and, you know, there's media silence about it, but, you know, uh, an upgraded version of the, the common cold was cause for alarm. So it was just, it was crystal clear. It was how, like, how we have to you, do this. How did you know to do it? You know, I, I didn't have a business that was shut down. I had business partners in the financial game and I went right to Zoom. I, I didn't stop working, but I also didn't have to, open my doors and have people come into my gym or my restaurant like how did you really know it was like your fight and you were in it and and dude i mean it quickly escalated that was crazy it escalated very quickly you know it's a combination of a a couple things one was we had to face the really uncomfortable truth and that was we were not going to survive this and um and the other part of that uncomfortable truth was the people that said that they were going to be there for us weren't. You know, all these politicians, you know, 14 days to slow the spread. We'll make sure everybody's good, you know, and then they're not doing that. They're playing politics as usual, you know, and there's no mention of help for businesses. And then when the help for businesses came, you read the fine print and it really wasn't what they said it was. And then there wasn't really any money. You know, it was being dispersed in rounds, but your bills were still being due. You pay back in yeah, three and years. It, yeah, it was like, man, this isn't help. This kind of feels like, this kind of feels like a scam. It kind of feels like um, you're forcing a loan on yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, you're, you're keeping you're, me on the tit, dog. Yeah, you're shutting me. You shut me down. Yeah. You're don't worry. I'll I'll give you a loan, but you got to pay me back for yeah. the time it's that like you're not charts. in business. <laughs> um, you know, so all of it started to add up. We started paying attention to the science, like the real science. We went on sites like PubMed.gov where there's actual studies. And um, who runs that? I actually never heard of that. PubMed.gov is just government agency. It's just it's public medical record or medical journals. So it's all it's all the studies and stuff like that. Um, and we started reading and it's like, man, like we're reading about this stuff called, you know, this drug, you know, whatever this this drug that works and this drug that works. And it's like, well, we got options and you're telling us we got to shut our businesses down. And none of this is making sense. And, and for us, the, the final straw was when they passed that stimulus bill. That was on day 11 here of the shutdown in New Jersey. They passed a $2.3 trillion economic stimulus plan, the COVID recovery plan or whatever it was called. Things a thousand pages long. Nobody read it, you know, but in there was everything that we needed to know to open. Um, for one, it's day 11. Yeah, day 11. Day 11, we're supposed to be opening in three days and you start handing out money for 16 weeks, $600 a week for people to stay home. To me, that kind of seems like an incentive program more than anything. Um, you know, and meanwhile, these people aren't talking about health and fitness and anything like that. The only advice they were given was shut up, be afraid, and wait for our call. You know, and that to me, you know, if I don't, if I don't know the plan, I want, I'm, I'm going to figure it out. You know, I'm not going to sit by and let anybody run my life, especially that I don't know. Um, I think fear is a, is a big motivator a lot of times, but it doesn't it work for people like you and I, you know, because... You know, we may understand things that will come in our road, right? We talk about, you know, we're on their platforms, right? It's the mm-hmm. U.S. government, social media, YouTube, right? They may censor us after this shit, you know, whatever. But <laughs> I'm being careful with my language. Yeah, no, no. I think we're having a, a professional conversation, and it's everybody should be able to have a conversation. Yeah. That's what America's about. It's yeah. about freedom, and there was no conversation at that time. Well, good ideas win, you know, when, when you allow conversation to flow and you allow people to, to flesh out their ideas, whether they agree, disagree, whether they have capitalism. Yeah. It's the good ideas will always prevail. And when you see censorship, that's usually an indicator that somebody's up to no good because that bad idea will not float. 
you know, and that's that's what you see in social media and stuff like that. But you know, if you want to if you want to be on the platforms, you have to play the game a little bit. Yeah, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with playing the game. Everybody plays the game a little bit. What was your first inkling into like, oh shit, they're on to us? <laughs> like, what was it? It was just you know, peep. Did someone report you? Did so the state day, show up? So day one, I need a Duraflame, Mike. Day one, the uh, we're 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 working in the gym, and uh, we're doing some renovations. And afterwards, I was working out, working out in my gym, fourteen thousand square feet, just me and my business partner. Cops come in, and uh, they say somebody took a picture of you through the window. They reported it to the health department. The health department called us, and they they brought us in. And they wanted us to tell you that you're going to get your business license revoked and a fifty thousand dollar fine if you don't stop working out right now. You know, and it's like, yeah, who's stopping me? Yeah, like <laughs> you're going to tell me I can't work out in my gym. Yeah, alone, I own this property. Alone, I own this lease. Yeah. You know, I pay the bills here. I've never been laid on a bill. I've never been a problem at all. And you're telling me you're going to fine me fifty thousand dollars because I'm doing some lat pull downs. You know, and it's like that didn't. That was red flag number one. Um, they were afraid of your lats, dude. <laughs> They're a little big. <laughs> Who's got bigger traps? You or Phil Rizzo? <laughs> it's close. <laughs> so that was that was the big that was red flag number one. Red flag number two was was that stimulus plan because in there, this is something a lot of people don't know. You know, not only were they uh, they were incentivizing people to stay home, but we read about the PCR tests. Okay, so the PCR test is not a test. It's not a, it's not a tool for diagnosis. It's a, it's a research tool. If you understand anything about the, the way the PCR tests, and, and I'll give the rudimentary explanation for anybody who doesn't understand, it takes whatever material you have and doubles it. That's a cycle. And we were running PCR tests at 40 cycles to detect coronavirus. So you're taking one thing and you're doubling it 40 times. You know, and if, if you do the math on that, comes out to like 1.9 trillion particles. You know, so that's why everything was coming up as positive. Yeah, they, they um, set it up to have that so, happen. But the, the federal government was paying the states to get positive tests. For every state, or for every state they were getting different payouts. In the state of New Jersey, every single positive COVID test reported was $18,000 of federal funding. To the state. To the state. Discretionary COVID funding. That went right into Murphy's pockets. So that was that was enough for us to say, all right, we're doing this. Murphy needs some money, man. He's hurting. Yeah, he's hurting out in Red Bank. Um, Rumson, that, Rumson, Middletown. Rumson, whatever. Um, that was enough for us to get started. And then uh, the big like, oh shit, moment was, you know, I went onto my social media a week before we were going to open on a Monday. It was two months to the day that they shut us down. That was our plan to reopen because once we decided, we, we said, all right, well, we gotta open with a plan. You know, we can't, we can't just open and not know what we're talking about. We need to do the research. We need to do a safety protocol. And our safety protocol was so far above and beyond what anybody was doing. Every single person in the gym would have a spray bottle. We, we distanced the whole gym six feet apart. There was markings on the ground, new air filters, air scrubbers. We went so overboard. Um, and I got in front of my camera, I wrote this little speech, I probably like rewrote it like 40 times and I probably did 40, 40 more takes. I was so nervous because I was talking to my phone and you know, I just said, hey, you know, we're Attila's Gym, this is who we are. Um, a lot of you guys know us, some of you might not, but we're gonna reopen our gym come next Monday. 
uh, and here's why, um, and here's how we're going to keep people safe. And um, I woke up the next morning, and you know, at the time I had a, I don't know, maybe 8,000 followers on Instagram or something. It was, you know, I had a, a small fitness account, and uh, <clears throat> the the video had like 100,000 views, and that was like, oh shit, like. And the comments were back and forth. It was like, why ah, you're gonna kill people, you know, whatever. And then there's people like, you know, just wildly supporting us, asking if they could come from New York to work out and you know, all this stuff. And that was like that first moment where I was like, oh, this is big. Like this isn't gonna be a, a quiet thing. Um, but in that moment, I also realized that we were given a gift. It was the right message at the right time. People were willing to get behind it. And you got tactful from there. Yeah, and it was it was about okay, you know, all eyes are going to be on us next week, you know, and then uh, the real <laughs> the real moment where it got really real is the next day, um, a friend of a friend reached out um, to a producer on Tucker Carlson and just said like, hey, you know, my my friend's gym's going to reopen, and I got a call. I was training the client in the gym, and uh, my phone rings. It's like a, a Washington D.C. number or something, and I'm like, the hell. I pick it up and uh, you know they're like, hey, this is you know this is Alex from the Tucker Carlson show. I'm I'm the executive producer, and I'm like, yeah. And they're like, are you on Attila's gym? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, you gonna open your gym next week? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, you wanna come on the show and talk about it? And I was like, fuck yeah, I do. yeah, yeah, Let's yeah, go. I do. And so I went to this. Uh, so this, Tom, I gotta stop yeah, you right there. Yeah. So in that moment. This is the, the, the thing, the, the, the barrier and wall of fear when you're able to go get and be that man in the arena mm-hmm. is so thick and so tall. And there's so many of us as business owners or just in life in general that we don't know how to get over or under that wall. And we really don't need to. We need to lean into it. Yeah, Because great things can come out of it. Yeah, will it cause us stress? Will it cause us agony? Potentially. But I believe that the, the, the greatness beyond that barrier of fear is so much greater than the agony that we're going to get and we're going to go through. How did you say, fuck it, I'm in? Well, going back to that idea that you, we had to come to terms with the uncomfortable truth. And the uncomfortable truth was that if we didn't do anything, our lives were going to be ruined. Um, and if we didn't do anything, we were going to be complacent at a time when we shouldn't be. You know, we were watching our country radically change. And I remember driving down the Quickly. highways. Those, yeah, like, like and overnight, too. Um, you know, I remember driving down the highway and it just being vacant, just abandoned. There's nobody on the highway. You know, you're talking about an eight-lane highway. No one in New York City. Yeah, and it's like this, it, it, it shook me, like, in, in what I can only say is, like, a spiritual way. Like, mm. it made me sick to my stomach on like a spiritual level. I'm like, this- Something spoke to you like, this isn't this is wrong. This isn't okay. And if I died tomorrow, I wouldn't be proud of what I left for future generations. You know, I, I, I'm fully convinced that the United States of America is the greatest country that has ever, you know, blessed this earth. And, and you can come to this country with nothing and, and a decade later be on top of the world. And there's nowhere else in, in, in this in this world where you have that opportunity. Previous podcast before you, not to cut you off, this guy Ali, his real name I just discovered is Sajij. Did I say that right, Mike? Where'd he go? Sajij. Um, came from Pakistan yeah. with a blanket. He knows. And, and, and the dude 
is running a massive mm -hmm. operation car service. He's transporting organs. And to this day, I've had people beside yourself that love America. I know that they know that they're blessed, but no one has been more patriotic than that fucking Pakistani. Yeah, because they, they know what the rest of the world has to offer. You know, and that, and that was it for us. You know, it, it was, we were, we were, fortunately, we were both on the same page. Um, and, uh, and it didn't sit right with either of us. You know, my, uh, my partner has five children. You know, I, I didn't have any at the time. Um, but it wasn't, I wouldn't have felt proud to be an American, you know, because I look at this country and I say, man, this country was founded by some, some real rugged people people that bet heavily on themselves. Yeah, took uh, risk. Yeah, they took risk. I mean, you know, the first 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 couple boatloads, they came over on wooden ships with no navigation across the open ocean and the first thing they had to do when they got here was build a house. You know, that's that's betting on yourself. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's going all in. That's going all in. You know, and it's like th those are the people that we come from. And that, and, and that that goes no matter who you were from, whether no matter what race you were from, somebody in your bloodline struggled to give you the freedoms that you enjoy today. And how disrespectful of it is you to be like, that's going to inconvenience me to stand up and do the right thing. You know, you got people that died for this country on a regular basis who have fought in wars, who have died at 18, you know, to preserve your freedoms. And you can't you can't stand up to to your yeah. local government when just to open your fucking doors. For yeah. Your place so of for business. us, for us, it was it was an easy choice. It was a very easy choice. Now, it doesn't mean it wasn't a, it wasn't a scary one. Excuse me. It wasn't an easy choice. It was a simple choice. Mm -hmm. There were not a lot of options and it was very clear what we should do. Did we want to do it? No, I would have loved to just keep our back door open, stay quiet, but it wouldn't have sat right with us, you know, and, you know, you, you pay two prices for freedom. You pay the bad price, the horrific price, war, violence, conflict, death, and, and, and death. And that, people have paid that price in this country. And then you pay the price for freedom every day. And that's that small price. And that's that, that price of inconvenience, you know, yeah. of sacrifice. Of, of, of sacrifice. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small, but at least bullets aren't flying at you. So mm. you're a lot better than, than the, the guys who go and defend our country, you know, like that. So... Yeah, that was an easy fight versus what others that came before it, us had. And, and that's not to say it wasn't scary, but anything good worth having comes at a price. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not a cliche guy, but freedom ain't free. You know, yeah. and that's that's as true as it gets. You know, so we saw it more as our obligation. It wasn't a matter of we want to do this. It wasn't a matter of I'm scared. It was we have to. We have to. Yeah, I, I personally believe and again, I don't know if, uh, you know, anybody who views this is, you know, into God or whatever. And I'm not trying to push that, but there's some vibration or universe or some spirit, whatever you want to call it, that was dropping down on you and your partner that were like, dude, stand the fuck up. Yeah. And it was, it was, I viewed it, especially from the past that I've had, I viewed it as my opportunity to do something good. You know, cause I've, I've, like I said, I've done a lot of bad things in my life. You know, I've, I've made more mistakes than, than the average person. Um, a lot of people have. They just don't admit them. Yeah, and that's fine. You know, but for me, in order, to, in, in order for me to be happy with my life, I knew this was my opportunity to do the right thing when it was so easy not to. I could have got some PPP loans. I could have, 
You know, I, I know people who, you know, and, and no judgment, I know people who, you know, they didn't even need them and they got loans and they kept their mouth quiet and they kept their business closed, you know, and they rolled right into 2022 like nothing happened. For us, that wasn't going to sit right with us. And it was just, hey, here's your opportunity to do the you right thing. You felt hypocritical if you did that. Yeah. Here's and again, your- I pass no judgment on people who took it either because I had a ton of clients that had and they needed it. You know, some of them needed it. But there was a lot of money that was sent out. I remember... I think it was the L.A. Rams or the Lakers or somebody, you know, after it come out, they had read some of the language and they, they sent the money back. They're like, we don't need it, you know? So there was entities as big as the yeah, Lakers. Big, yeah, I think it was the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. you know, big corporations. Go grabbing that money. And a lot of people think, you know, again, play the game, you're in the system. But then there's people who I believe are the outsiders, call them rebels, call them troublemakers, call them rough around the edges, however you want to classify them, I don't give a fuck. But they're people who stand up for their morals and ethics, and especially as Americans, stand up for their freedom. And you and your partner did that. And, dude, I give you a full salute to that. They, they may ban my shit for a year after this. I don't care. You know, no, it's, you know, sometimes, sometimes you have to throw yourself up for sacrifice. You know, you have to, you have to be that man in the, the arena. And mm-hmm. that's not always fun, but it is always worth it. You know, like when you do the right thing, and I've seen this through the years. I've talked to tens of thousands of people, you know, people who made sacrifices, people who, uh, when they were forced uh, into taking say, something they didn't want to take or losing their job, I know a lot of people who said, I'm good. I'll figure this out on my own. And it may have been rough, but every single one of those people who I know who made that difficult choice ended up better as a result. I got to give my wife a shout out. Yeah. Kelly. Yeah. She's loving, kind, patient everything that a woman should be for a family and my wife was pregnant at the time when COVID was going on and they were telling her she needed to take a vaccine or test every day and she said no to both yeah good for her she was never lost her job you know now we brought her home and that was her wishes she wanted to take care of her family uh but she never backed down yeah and people like that are my hero and yeah that's no you know, a lot of people think, um, you know, they look at the Attila story and be like, man, you guys are heroes. In my opinion, anybody who stood their ground, you know, whether it was something like that or something else, um, they played a part in it. And that, that's a heroic act saying, no, I'm not going to do what you tell me because I'm not afraid of what you're going to take from me. And I know that you're not in the right. And I know that I'm, I'm going to be OK. You know, I'll figure it out. You know, that's. That's what the American spirit was built on. This country was built on a bunch of people who said, fuck you and your 3% tax. You know, <laughs> and they were willing to say that to the most powerful man in the world, the King of England at the time, who was the essentially the ruler of the, the known world. And there were a bunch of 20 year olds in this country who said, screw you. We're not paying your tax. Bring your army over. Yeah, let's roll. And there's nothing better than that because that, I mean, that's what freedom is about. It comes at that cost. You know, and those those men. Sadly, you know, those no men one and wants those to women, go do that. No one wants to. Those just, men and those women, the founding fathers, the sons of liberty, you know, the people who fought in the Revolutionary War, the women that supported them. A lot of people lost their lives. A lot of people lost all their wealth. You know, there are people who came to this country and who had a ton of wealth and they were they were killing it. And they were, you know, they were a revolutionary and they lost it all. But in the end. Look what they set up. Exactly. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I want to make this fully clear. I still believe, by a long shot, the United States of America is the best country in the world to go obtain financial freedom. Absolutely. Ali is a testament to it, man. Yeah. Any first-generation 
immigrant who came to this country typically has more of an appreciation than a lot of the people who live in this country and who were born here because they understand that, you know, we've got, we got it good here. It might not be perfect, you know, nothing's ever perfect. And we've had our bumps along the way. You know, America hasn't always been a perfect nation, but there's no place in the world like this place. There's a lot there's of evil no, in the world too, you know, nations have to do, you know, tough things, make hard decisions. Yeah, you don't always make the right call. You're not always on the right side of history. It is what it is. But the fact of the matter is, is this country welcomes people from all over the world with open arms and it gives them an opportunity to create something better and to leave something for their children. And most of the world is not like that. Most yeah. of the world, people survive. They don't thrive. Barely. Yeah. Survive. And it's, it's just about getting through the next day. And, you know, so th we got something special here, you yeah. know, and it's important that not we only we, that we, it. we, yeah, we not only important that we recognize it, but that we respect that and that we pay our dues in whatever way that comes. Yeah. That's what this podcast is about. Again, not to be repetitive, man. It, a kid who comes from nothing. <clears throat> my mom and dad worked extremely hard to allow me to get over here. I, I live over here in Point Pleasant, Bayhead area. I was a kid who was kicked out of high school. And now I'm here talking to a guy with the type of influence and clout that you have. That's, that's America. Dude. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool, yeah. you know. And anybody can do that. No matter which color you are, no matter what walk of life you came from, no matter what trauma you've been through. Yeah. If you're willing to fucking put it out there and become the man or the woman in the arena, in the arena, you can win in yeah. America. Yeah, and that's, I think that's, that's something that, you know, um, maybe we lost a little bit of, and I think people are starting to realize that more now. It's coming back. Um, yeah, it's definitely coming back, you know, and it's coming back, I think, with the younger generations. I think that's important. You got a lot of young. You were a leader in that, man. That, that's really fucking cool. I'm, I'm just maybe it'll be, be in some history books 50 years from now. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> the man with the beard. <laughs> so I want to roll this along into some business nuggets and, and, you know, understanding that you had that type of media presence, right? Yeah. All of a sudden you had this guy, Alex, call you from Tucker Carlson, which is standing up for freedom and, you know, doing the thing that he does still to this day. Shout out to Tucker. Great dude. Yeah. You know, that was, a, real. yeah, that, he's a real dude. You know, that was some scary things that he was doing. I, I you know, again, I don't want to quote exactly what happened, but I know there was people, you know, coming onto his house and he's they had were, to move twice, I believe. Yeah, they were they were tapping his phone. The New York Times doxed him twice. Yeah, you know, and it, it was to the point where like he was no longer safe. Yeah, that's you know? scary. And his family was no longer safe, and he he goes right on into it. But yeah, I mean, when Tucker threw the can of gas on the fire, you know, yeah. we were hoping at the time we were hoping for like one. Like Fox 29, yeah. the local outlet. Some local outlets. Yeah, I mean, that, that was all we were counting on because we knew, you know, we didn't understand what was going on, but we understood that we weren't being told a lot of what was going on and that, you know, maybe these people didn't have our best interests. Um, so we knew we needed some coverage and we were hoping for one. And then, you know, that call, I, I remember that interview, you know, <laughs> Drove to Philly, did a little satellite studio, and I'm sitting in this dark room with a with a city backdrop behind me, and uh, they got me all mic'd up, and I'm looking right into the camera, uh, and it's just a camera and a screen of me, and I can hear Tucker, you know, his opening monologue, and you know, you hear the music come on, and Tucker's, you know, talking about, you know, uh, a New Jersey gym, you know, is set to open next week, and my heart started beating so loud that I could feel it in my ears. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember much of the conversation. But um, you killed it. it. It flew by, but I remember one part. 
and uh, he was like, you are on the most watched cable news show in history, and you are about to openly defy your governor's orders to keep your business closed. Are you prepared to do that? And yes, just came right out. Yeah. I didn't even say it. it just no came, hesitation. It came right Muscle out. Muscle memory. Yeah, it just right out. Yes. Um, and that, in that moment, I was like, that's when it got really real. But in that moment, I also realized, hey, we have a tool here. We have eyes on us. And we have a lot of eyes. Because my phone was like sitting on the table and it was like vibrating off as the show was going on. Because everybody reacted instantly to it. Um, and, and, that, and, and talk about the eyes. Because... Yeah. When you're in this moment, anybody who is tactful and strategic needs to understand I'm fighting for something which I believe in. And at the time, you and your partner believed in freedom. But I also need to be wise and understand that I could convert and monetize these eyes, whether it be now or in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, how did you start to position yourself to do something greater with it later as well as protect yourself? Because the eyes were helping somewhat protect you. Yeah, you know, so originally, you know, that night, I think my Instagram jumped up to 30,000 followers. So I think I gained like 20,000 followers from that episode. Wow. And I was like, hmm, like I've got something here. Like people care about this story. Like we're not going to get smashed and, and, and thrown to the side. Like I can show them what's happening. And, and throughout, as the battle just kind of escalated, because it did, it escalated very quickly and, and very kind of uh, aggressively. Um, what was we, the first aggressive move that was towards you after that? Well, first day. Um, we were, so we, we camped out in the gym overnight. We opened the doors on Monday morning. The parking lot had several hundred people in it. American flags waving, Gadsden flags waving, Trump flags waving, um, Sons of Liberty flags, and, uh, and our members were wrapped around the building. You know, and, and uh, we had a normal day. Police were in the parking lot, and uh, about 12 o'clock that day, the crowd got all loud outside and the cops were at the door and, you know, we came out and, uh, media you know, was there, right? Media was there. I mean, Pete Hegseth from Fox news was there. He spent the whole day with us and uh, I had to quiet the crowd down cause they were like, they, they thought the cops were going to do something. And the then captain of the Belmar police department, you know, he said, uh, in the clip somewhere on the internet, he goes, uh, you know, I'm here to let you know that you're all in violation of an executive order. And the, and the crowd like got all, mad right away and he put his finger up and he was like on that note everybody be safe and have a nice day yeah he walked and he away. walked away and we were like we won and then like 15 minutes later like the second lieutenant came and gave us our first citations um and then it just escalated from there it was citations for us the next couple days it was more citations citations for all of our members they were you know they were following people home they arrested a guy then it was a health department shutdown then they locked our doors then there was a fifteen thousand dollar a day fine then they were messing with our plumbing then they were taking money from our bank account, subpoenaing our personal records. Then they took our business license. Isn't then they crazy? arrested us. Right? And, they and it was just like right off to the races from there. So uh, you, you and I talked offline quickly about, you know, the New Jersey State Police. And at some, you know, time during that duration of what you just explained. Day three. You know, they were, they were looking to potentially come in and, and you know, yeah. be aggressive and probably lock you guys up, throw you around, do whatever they were going to do. Explain that situation and, and what the state yeah. troopers did in New Jersey. So Murphy, Governor Murphy was putting pressure on the Belmar Police Department. You know, like I said, the captain the first day, he was like, nope, not my problem. You know what I mean? Because we were, we didn't open with the intent to like middle fingers up, screw you. It was like, hey, you guys are crushing small businesses. Here's our plan to reopen. Come and talk to us. And hey, if you're a small business out there, 
we, we spent time on this. Take it, adapt it to your business, open your business. Um, so the police weren't interested because we had notified them. You know, and we, we went to the Belmar Police Department, we went to the local government, and we said, hey, just a heads up, we're going to open our gym. And they were like, okay. Like, they didn't, they didn't even know what they were supposed to do. So Governor Murphy applied pressure via the Sheriff's Department on the Belmar Police Department and said, if they don't get in there and do something, I'm going to furlough the entire police department for 60 days without pay. So that's, that's what prompted the second lieutenant to kind of jump in. That didn't work. Um, so then he decided he was going to bring the state, uh, state troopers in. And there's a barracks right down the street. Um, a lot of state troopers, you know, we had a lot of Belmar cops, a lot of local cops and state troopers working out there. And uh, whatever their special operations unit is, their SWAT unit, you know, they were all geared up and ready to come in and I assume knock heads, um, black trucks, everything. They were, they were lined up down the street and as soon as they got the order that they were coming to Attila's gym, they said no. Universally, they stood down. Um, That's amazing. And what I, what I respect most about it is they said, you're not going to make hypocrites out of us because the barracks gym was open and they were allowed to train in their gym. So they said, nope, we're not, we're not your personal guard. You know, and a lot of governors did that. Cuomo used the sheriff's department as his personal you know, enforcers. And they, they were, I, I don't know if they were ever reprimanded for it. I'm not, you know, but I know that they had the order. The order was to come and they said, nope. You know, and I got a ton of respect for that because that's what needed it to happen. Yeah, offline, I won't, you know, give any names, but I, I've definitely heard a couple stories where they were working with other federal entities and um, there were some other state troopers that were like, yeah, we're, we're, we're not in on this. Yeah. You know, January 6th, multiple that's a good, situations. That's a good, that is, that is what police work is supposed to be. Mm. It's about protecting people. It's not about enforcing rules. You know what I mean? You're not you're not a rule enforcer. You know, you're somebody who protects and serves the community. And again, I, I also do see it from the, you know, a lot of times what I've discovered is like Ryan's upset here where my perch is here. And then the next eagle has his perch here. So he can see out so much further mm-hmm. than me on this perch. So I try to put myself in, yeah, yeah, in yeah. government, you know, government's shoes, right? Phil Murphy's shoes. Hey, you know. We got to protect people. The overall scare is X. And who knows what type of information was being fed to Murphy, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know. But then as things roll out. That's why, f- that's why we said to them, come talk to us. Yeah. And when they didn't talk to us, it, it was very clear what the agenda was. What the agenda was. If, if they would have came to us and said, hey, listen, it's not safe. Here's what we know. We would have at least been open to hear it. You know, yeah. but they didn't, they didn't want to. And that was a tell for us. You know, it was like you... You guys are destroying, like, we, we were watching local businesses drop like flies, multi-generational businesses. I mean, delis and, and, and restaurants that have been open for, you know, for three generations, four generations. And that's going, rare. Going out of business. Yeah, hard to do like, with small business. That won't, yeah. And, and you know, the, the thing that irritated us is, like, you've got people dictating policy about business who have never been in business. Yeah. You know, most people who haven't been in business don't understand that small business, you're a bad month away or two from going out. From going out, even in the best times. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's. Yeah, we're not dealing with corporation money, billions yeah, and trillions. And that's, and you know, cash but flow. then they looked at the, well, well, Planet Fitness can stay closed. Well, of course they can. You know, they've got, they've got a piggy bank. We had nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we put all our eggs into the basket to open the gym, and then any penny we made went right back in to make sure we improved it. Yeah. You know, so or nine you months, were keeping the bills paid. 
nine months later, you know, we had a nice gym going, but there wasn't any money in the bank. It was it was all going to bills and you know and and improving the business so that we could have something greater down the line. So you know, and and that's that's where the you know the platform came in. And once I realized the power behind that, you know, I said, all right, because we were angry. I mean, we were angry that you're shutting our business down. So it would have been much easier to go on Tucker Carlson and say, you know, fuck the government. And, you know, we're, you know, we're not going to back down for anybody. But we approached it in a way where we were open minded to hear your side of the story. Yeah. And come talk to us. You know where we're at. You know, you know where we're at. And, and throughout the interviews, I had to learn to kind of control my frustration. There's I want to I want to pan to a break for bathroom uh, and maybe more cigars. Shout out to Figurago Cigars. It's pretty it's good. It's right? a great cigar. Right. Yeah. Dude, John, the desert. He calls himself the desert rat. He's a really good dude. True nice. American. Good, mild cigar. Yeah, Very good. Shout out to Frank. Uh, we'll take a break and I want to come back. People didn't understand, actually, because you and your wife weren't talking about it, the frustrations that you had going on in your own personal life on top of this. Yeah. So when we come back after the break, I'm going to get into that a little bit. Let's do it. So jumping back in, you know, you talk about frustrating times. What most people didn't realize, and I didn't know that until tonight, you had a wife at home that was battling cancer. Yeah. And some tough things that you were going through. You guys were trying to have some children yeah. at the time. and. If you would be willing to share some of that, because I think a lot of people paint you in a light. And what I think about people who are tough, and I'll give a shout out to my father-in-law. He battled some really tough cancer and his job at American Express never knew. Some other people that were distant from the, the immediate family never knew. He put his head down and went to work every single day. Yeah. And you weren't just going to work. You were fighting for, really at the time, you were fighting for a country, man. There was a lot of eyes on you. While you had a sick wife at home, and that's that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, and you know, I I, I credited credited to her. She was tough enough to kind of handle most of it, uh, you know, alone. You know, I was I was at the gym. I was manning the battle station. You know, because for a, a very long time, <clears throat> we were there sixteen hours a day, seven days a week. You know, minimum of twelve. Um, you know, like we weren't charging members, so we weren't bringing it home any real income you know we didn't have employees we had you know volunteers so a lot of times it was like hey ain't nobody to run the gym except us you know and part of staying open was always being open you know because we weren't going to give them an opportunity to catch us with our pants down you know closing the closing the gym early you know and and the media was on you now yeah and um the fight was at its peak i mean we were there was a point where you know, we, we took the doors off the gym to prevent them from locking the doors. And we were at the gym for... Explain that a little bit. You mean took the doors off? <laughs> so uh, on day five, uh, they locked our doors, you know, and, and that was the first kind of time they did that. And, you know, we picked the locks and we went back inside, you know, whatever. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, but the second time, and this was all court orders and judges and... They, uh, we had lost in court, we lost in court, we lost in court, we lost in court, just another day. And uh, the judge said, I want you to go lock their doors. You know, I want you to fabricate a metal barricade. Um, oh, I'm sorry, so they had, uh, excuse me, back it up. They had locked our doors um, and then they had arrested us um, and, uh, and boarded our doors up. Um, so the next step, um, 
or excuse me, they had arrested us and they wanted to, they wanted to lock our doors again. Excuse me, I got it all messed up. They were coming to lock our doors um, for the second time. So I remember sitting there that day and there was a lot of other business owners who had opened and were fighting different battles. Nothing got as much attention as Attilus, but you know, we were far from the only people and a lot of us networked and you know, we're all small business owners and we were all fighting different battles and you know, we couldn't help the people in California because Governor Newsom was utilizing different tactics to shut them down. But you know, we'd talk on the phone and we'd kind of work through it and you know, at least be there in, in, in confidence for each other when, when we were scared and when we were upset. And uh, shout out to Lou Uridel. Lou Uridel was the first gym owner in the country to open a gym out in uh, LA County. He was arrested for it. Um, fortunately, he found a way to kind of get through it. He had a chiropractor in there and, you know, doctor's offices were exempt. So, boom, he was able to get through it. But, you know, he... Uh, Using the system right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Utilized, you know, um, some people were able to do it and, and more power to them. So I'm on the phone with Lou and I'm like, you know, he's like, what's going on? And I said, you know, they're coming to lock our doors again. You know, I don't know what the fuck we're going to do. And uh, without hesitation, he goes, take them off. Um, and I kind of like laughed. I was like, <laughs> and I was like, he's like, no, dead serious. I was like, well, wait a second. That's a good idea. You know, and I went to my partner and I'm like, Lou said we should take the fucking doors off. And he didn't say a word to me. He was like, you know, he had like a scowl on his face. You know, we're all pissed off. We had just got our, our asses kicked in court again. Um, Zoom court, which isn't really court, but, uh, <clears throat> he walked away and I was like, all right, well, I guess it was a stupid idea. And like two seconds later, I hear like, zzz, 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 and the doors come off. And Can I that, ask you, were you wearing a first form T-shirt to Zoom court? Yeah. Give a little shout out to yeah, Andy. Of course, man. First form. Of course. I mean, first for, first form supported us very early on, and they were a company that was relatively unaffected, you know, and they didn't need to get in the fight, and they, you know, they uh, they took us in with open arms, um, and they they helped us do a lot of good too. We did some some charity events uh, that first form sponsored. We did veterans outreach workout. We raised like a hundred thousand dollars for veterans in the middle of the fight. Um, but, uh, we took the doors off and we were like, well, gym's open 24 hours now. So we were open for 24 hours a day for over 40 days before they finally arrested us, you know? And that was our way of saying like, every time you want to escalate, we can do that too. You know, you want to be unreasonable. We'll show you unreasonable. You know, you're going to, you're going to lock our doors. Well, you can't lock the doors if there's no doors. Yeah, we'll take the windows out if we need to. Yeah. And you know, and they locked and they, they eventually locked us up and, they put a barricade up and a couple days later we kicked it down and went back in you know and that was our strategy the whole time it was you're not going to shut us down no matter what no matter what the consequences are you are not going to take what i've worked for my We're entire in this life fight. yeah and it's you know again you're you're dealing with people who have never been in business who are telling you how you should run your business um and it's like man i'm not at the time i i was just a small business owner you know i didn't have multiple sources of income i wasn't you know, I hadn't hit that point of financial freedom where, you know, I could be like, well, I don't need that. I'll shut my business down. So it was it was life or death for us. You know, and that's all the decisions were very easy because it was that or lose everything. And, and that's a nugget, actually, for business owners is the fight that you're in to obtain that financial freedom yep. is business ownership. Like you said, it's what it is month to month. COVID aside, problem after problem, problem after problem. <laughs> like there was there was a girl I was coaching today. You know, Lauren, she's going to be launching Real Life Labor RN, where she's doing, you know, dual services. 
And I said to her, I said, Lauren, it, it's, it's only going to get harder in a sense of problems. Oh, yeah. The only thing that and changes bigger. is your mental fitness becomes better. Your, your workflow state becomes better. Your efficiency at solving problems becomes better. And That's what business ownership is, really. It's just solving problem after problem. Yeah, and you were doing two things at the time. You were fighting <laughs> for freedom, but also fighting to be a small business owner and pay your bills. And uh, that's quite impressive. I, I want to move this along off the gym and all that fight you went to and move into the next portion of your life because a lot of that stuff is gone. You're off probation. The, yeah. the court shit's <laughs> behind you. you know. And, and again, what I've discovered quickly tonight, uh, you're well-spoken. You're intelligent. Thank you. Your understanding of history is, is very vast. And uh, a lot of people who may come at you sideways, and I do have friends that watch this that are on the other side of the aisle. Uh, my estate planning attorney, Mike Gorman, is probably one of the most intelligent guy when it comes to taxes. Um, you know, him and I don't agree on things, but he watches the show. You are a guy who understands what you're talking about. You're a guy who does your homework. And you're a guy who's rooted in your morals and ethics, and you stand for freedom. And there's nothing wrong with that. And what you did at Atelis Gym, you and your partner, shout out to him. Dude, you stood up for a country. You stood up for a guy like me. I, I remember one night you were out in Staten Island. Yeah. yeah. You were at Max Public House. Yeah, you were at Max yeah. Public House. And I, I know some bar owners in New York, and they were, like, fucking cheering on. But they were nervous. They wouldn't do the same thing, you know. And It was scary, you know. But that, again, it's like, for us, as much as it was doing the right thing for our country, it was also, hey, this is just another obstacle that we got to overcome in business, you know. Sometimes it's not going to be fair. It's not always a level playing field, you know, and you've got you've to really want it. You know, if you, if you want to be a successful business owner, you've got to run it because it is, it's only a matter of time until you hit problems. Dig deep. And the more successful you get, the bigger your problems become. Um, so if you want that life, if you want that freedom um, and all of the good that comes of being a small business owner or a business owner, big business owner, whatever – You've got to be willing to sacrifice, you know, whether it's your time, whether it's your your sanity at some points, whether it's your sleep, yeah. you know, those sacrifices Anxiety come in all, all shapes and sizes, you know, and, and I tried to always view this as just another obstacle in business, you know, even though it was rare and it was bigger than that. It was, yeah, it, it was, you know, but at the end of the day, somebody was trying to shut our business down and they had no good reason for it, you know, so it's war. You know, because I built this. And, you know? I, and I give you credit for you and your partner for staying, you know, non, nonviolent during that. You know, I'm a type of person that, you know, although we have laws. There were times we, have, we wanted to be different. Yeah, you know? dude. You know, <laughs> but that's not going to get you anywhere. It's not. And you, you got to be more strategic and you got to, uh, 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 you know, you got to listen to the rules of the law in the state as well as the government and, and play the justice system, which does end up leaning towards freedom at the end of the day. It may turn slow over time. Takes a while. Yeah. yeah. It's like a cruise ship turnaround. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you guys got your license back. Yeah. March and March 2022, uh, after two years of running the gym with not charging members, you know, originally we weren't charging anybody because it wasn't about that. It was about, hey, we're, we're, we're opening. Yeah. Um, that, and we didn't know who was going to come, so it wasn't like we were just going to turn our billing on. Um, two years, we relied on donations, and we sold a lot of T-shirts. And I, I want to pivot it. It's a perfect segue into financial freedom and, yeah. and and also being tactful. So talk about the T-shirts and talk about where that money poured in from. And uh, I, I, I bought one of the T-shirts as well. I don't know where that thing is. There's plenty of them floating around, so, that's for sure. T talk so about that. We, um, 
you know, when we first opened, it was just, hey, you wanna, you wanna help us? Go donate to this, go fund me. You know, we're gonna spend all that money on legal costs. And, uh, you know, we didn't think it was gonna last this long. You know, we, we thought we were gonna have a little tiff with the government and we were gonna come to some sort of amicable agreement and it just escalated and escalated and escalated. You know, we were being fined $15,000 per day. We weren't charging members. Then they took our business license and then they reopened the gyms right afterwards. Yeah. And I don't care who you are. Yeah. You can have, you know, five million liquid set aside as a small business owner. And again, that's not a ton of money. Yeah. But to a small business owner in their 30s, 40, early 40s, that's yeah. a good amount of money. 15 grand adds up quick, a day, real quick. $15,497.76 per day. Where that number came from, I still have no idea. Yeah. Um, that was Murphy's taxes. Yeah, that was yeah, that was Murphy's tax. Absolutely, that was his personal vendetta tax. So, you know, eventually, we didn't want. We felt bad, even though like people gave and and they gave generously and they were happy to do it. We didn't want to just take money. Um, so we said, all right, you know, we had some people asking for t-shirts, and at the time, we were a brand new gym. We had like a rack of one, like maybe yeah. twenty shirts. Yeah. You know, a couple on each size. White and black. Um, yeah, like no colors. And, uh, you know, people were calling and they were like, hey, man, like we want to support you. You know, like what should we do? And we were like, man, like I feel bad just taking money. Like why don't we, you know, why don't we, we make some T-shirts? You know, at least that way when people give us 20 bucks, you know, they get a T-shirt. You're also spreading the word. That's old school guerrilla marketing. It, it, it's, it, it very much became that. So, and it came like, you know, people were ordering shirts and then we were out of them. And I'm like, man, why don't we, you know, we had this slogan when we first started. It was Belmar versus everybody. You know, we were the we were the new guys in town. We were the new gym. You know, that was our aggressive stance. You know, we're here to stay. You know, our gym's the best kind of thing. Uh, but in the fight, it became Belmar for everybody. You know, so uh, so we put that on a T-shirt and we threw the Attila's gym logo on the back and you know put the con- the preamble of the Constitution on there and we said, hey, we got some shirts for sale. If you guys want to help us, like stop donating, buy a T-shirt if you want to help. Uh, and man, that, uh, that, that caught fire quick because... I remember you being on the back of your pickup truck going, yeah. they can keep finding us, but if we're selling the t-shirts we, at this pace, we I mean, good. it started out like a slow trickle, like there was like 10 orders, you know, and then there was like, you know, 25, and then there was 50. And I'm like, you know, when we first started, like I'm like handwriting like the, the addresses and like packing them in vanilla envelopes. And it got big and I'm like, dude, we need, like, we need a website. We yeah. didn't even have a website. We, we need like, all right, so... You know, we set up a Shopify and said, hey, and, you know, kind of integrated it so it was a little more seamless. And then shout out to Shopify. They didn't shut you down. They did not shut us down. We were a little nervous. And shout out to GoFundMe, too. They, you know, they've done some some bullshit, but they they, they let us ride. And, you know, there was a, a pretty hefty GoFundMe that they didn't touch. Um, you know, so very quickly it was like, OK, we can't charge members, you know, we got a we, we got overhead. We got increased overhead because we're going through paper towels at a at a you know we were talking about going through firewood like crazy here. You know we had all these new costs of business that yeah. we weren't anticipating. You weren't used to. Um, you know so our overhead increased and um, and then we had this massive legal battle. You know. But hold on, time out. Again, again, nugget. As a business owner, for going back to the basics of business ownership, you got to adapt. You got to pivot. Yeah. You got to get around the hurdle. Yeah. How else? How else can we bring the money in? You know, every time going to court, it's thirty thirty thousand dollars. You know, to to write a motion and have your lawyers appear. Yeah. You know, that adds up quick, especially when you're not bringing in any money. So, um, 
my social media grew and grew and grew and people were so good to us, you know, and it was just like, hey, buy a t-shirt. And then next thing you know, we're sending t-shirts out by the hundreds every day. Um, and I, I don't even know the figures, I'd have to go back and look, but I think, uh, I think we sold damn near worth a million dollars worth of t-shirts. That's awesome. Um, you know, over the course of a year and a half. That's freedom, um, man. That's Americans that were yeah, buying it. Yeah, and it's, it's cool because the t-shirt became an identifier, like word of mouth. You know, we sent these t-shirts not only to 50 states hundreds of times over, we sent it to 18 different countries. That's we, we sent it to Canada, we sent it to Mexico, we sent it to Ireland, England, uh, Scotland, Germany, France, uh, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, we even sent one to Qatar. This, this guy, God bless him. It's probably um, Ali's cousin. Yeah, God bless him in Qatar, ordered a shirt, and I had to send him an email, and I was like, bro, like, I'm going to have to charge you more for shipping. Like, it's like 80 bucks to get this shirt out there. Like, are you sure you want this? And he was like, yeah. Yeah, fuck and yeah. So I, I, I slipped him some extra shirts in there, and, you know. So, it, so time out, though. Went out to Qatar. Freedom is not just something that America holds uh-uh. the most of. Freedom is something that all of us as humans connected, no matter what religion, again, color, creed, walk of life that you come from. I think that all humans, not just Americans, want freedom. Yeah. And, and, and those T-shirt sales speak to it. That it became, you know, it became an identifier, like one of my favorite pictures of all times. Somebody sent us a newspaper clipping from Australia. It's the front page of a newspaper, and it was like, COVID, you know, COVID resistance grows among unrest, whatever. And it was a picture of a guy standing in front of a police line, waving an Australian flag. And he's got a fucking Belmar for everybody t-shirt on. That's awesome. And he's wearing one of our hats that says, make politicians afraid again. You know, so here's this guy in Australia fighting for freedom. Whatever semblance of freedom he has out yeah, there. Small. Yeah. And it's, it's not like what we have. It's not the same. But he's still fighting. And he connected with us on that level because he was like, man, that, that shirt means something. You know, and I got thousands of messages. I remember a video I got from a girl who's a friend now. And she, she sent me a video on Instagram. And she's like, hey, you know, I'm just out here in northern Cali, you know, walking through the woods. You know, I got my Belmar for Everybody t-shirt on. You know, I'm taking a hike. And she's like, she pans the camera to the side. And she's like, I met a friend. And it's some other guy hiking with a Belmar for Everybody t-shirt on. And That's she's like, we've been sitting awesome. here talking for like 45 minutes. You know, she's like, I would have walked right past him on the trail. She's like, but I knew he was of the same mind. You know, he had that shirt on and I did. And she's like, you know, she's like, we've been talking for 45 minutes. She's like, I just made a friend because of you guys. Um, so it was, it was pretty cool. And it was connection. Yeah. And the, you know, the t-shirt was a way for us just to navigate the, the muddy waters we were in. We had to find something, you know, um, and, and at the end of the day, they really, all about. They really only got you on probation. You know, contempt of court, I think we talked about. Yeah, contempt of court. They, they put us on probation for a year for the, for the crime of taking the doors off. Yeah. Apparently that was illegal in some way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we did our year on probation, and it all eventually got resolved. And, you know, the, the gym's still open to this day. You know, and it was, the best, it was the best business decision that I've ever made. I know that, and I think I can speak for my partner when I say the same. Because we wouldn't be sitting here, you know, yeah. God knows where I would be. I'd, I'd be wallowing in my sorrows somewhere, you know, probably blaming the world for all my problems. And I, I would have been right to blame them, but I had a, a responsibility to protect what I built, you know, and I had a responsibility as a, I signed up for, for business. Business ain't easy, you know, 
we didn't expect a, a nationwide shutdown to be a problem. Working but, for someone ain't easy either. No, it's not. And you know, but you can go into business and, and there's going to be a million different problems. You can have supply chain issues. You can have this. You can have you know yeah, whatever everything. it is. Lawsuits. But you you got to be prepared to do what it takes to be successful. You know, and to and and to figure it out when you don't know. So, you know rolling this out towards the next piece of the podcast and then we'll and then we'll roll to an end over the next few minutes you know i want to talk about where you're going and and what you've been able to spin this into right you know so many times i talk to people you're virtually creating communication you're virtually creating those relationships you know back in the day me and you would meet up at a at a gym workout right you're a trainer you're in good shape you know you can help ryan get in shape right and we should work out together and we we have a bench contest (laughs) <laughs> you know, you you had to go out and, and do that. And again, I think you should still do that. A lot of people lack human... You got face-to-face contact. Face-to-face. Inter- it's a lost art these days. Yeah, you know, especially the young people. You know, if I could give you any advice, learn to just be okay communicating like this. Like, yeah. nobody's different than you. We all put our pants on the same fucking way. <laughs> it don't matter who the fuck you are. You don't I'm, jump in them? Yeah, I could. <laughs> Sometimes I do. If I got to get it over the belly, dude, you know... <laughs> you know, you know. Sometimes my belly hangs below my belt buckle. You know, some people have told me that. But you know, you you were able to connect with those people on that level, and now you're taking this to another world, right? That 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 life is kind of behind you, right? Who you are, the you know, the tough things you went through. You have that Jocko willing, good, right? Things were hard, good. You learned, yeah, good. Yeah, I'm hard thankful time. for it yeah. every day. You're thankful for it, and now you have a great partnership in first form right as well as your cbd company Mm -hmm. as well as your wellness you know gyms that you're a part of and many other ventures that you're going into we were talking about you know the things that you're going into for men and and dude i've been saying to our little group here it's funny you know you know most people would really laugh at this right we call it ryan's resource room but at my little office that we have we do knee wrestling bro you know you got some beef in the office? Let's fucking go. Yeah. Dude. You got a problem? Let's go. You know, yeah, like this cool. that. You, 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 it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. And it's, it's, a, it's a good outlet. And um, You're doing that for men, though. Talk about that. Yeah, so, you know, part of what I learned, you know, I got, I got thrust into this, this figure, this political figure, you know, that, or this public figure. And, that, you know, that wasn't ever the intent, but I was the voice. You know, I was the guy that was in front of the cameras. I was the guy that was on Tucker Carlson. I was the guy who was, you know, in front of my phone, um, you know, talking about the updates. I became the the face of the brand during this. And as a result of that, my network exploded. You know, I grew to, you know, a million followers across, you know, social media and stuff like that. And in it, people started coming to us and saying, hey, can you come out to this event for us? Can you come speak and tell the story of Attilus? Come, can you come to this protest? Um, you know, a lot of times it was, it was little stuff here in Jersey, but then it grew all over the country. And the one thing I, I realized when I would go to these events, it was like nine to one women. And I would go there and the women would be like so thankful that uh, a strong man showed up, you know, and I was like, what, what do you mean? Yeah. Where's the rest of the men? Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't, I'm like, what do you mean? Thank you. Like, like, don't worry. It was a 20 minute drive. They're like, no, no, no. Like, thank you for being here. I'm like, what do you mean? And like, well, you know, our husbands aren't here, you know, and we need more men. And then I look around and it's like, yeah, it's, it's like nine to one. And you've got women on the front line fighting for their kids' rights in schools or whatever, whatever it was. It was, it was always something different. And the women were badass. Shout out to Kelsey and, and Kelly oh. who are 
who are yeah. teachers here, my wife and my good friend Phil's They've been wife. on the front lines of a lot of this stuff, especially with the school systems, you know, with, with, with medical freedom in the schools and stuff like that. You know, so I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean the men aren't here? Well, the, you know, and I got a lot of the same answers. Well, my husband, you know, he's not really interested or he's busy or he's this. And, you know, and I noticed that more and more everywhere I went, there was these, these women who were diehard for freedom. And I'm like, well, you know, you guys aren't supposed to be on the front lines. You know, like men are supposed to be on the front lines. You know, they're supposed to be out in the trenches. Like that's not a woman's job. You know, women are good at, at things that we're not good at. They're better communicators and they're far more organized and they can pull everything together, but they shouldn't be out in front of the state house in the blistering cold in December fighting for their kids' rights in schools, at least not alone. You know, so I noticed that and, and, and I, I wanted to figure out why, like where are all these guys at? And I saw that, you know, a lot of men had checked out. You know, they were just kind of too busy. Defeated. Defeated. It, it was a lot of things. They had checked out because, you know, they were tired of getting yelled at for being, you know, for being a straight white male or, or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, so they just say, like, you know, like, fuck it. I'm going to go watch sports, you know, and whatever. Um, but through the COVID crisis and the resulting sort of uh, pushback from it all, men started to step up little by little. But what I saw was that a lot of these guys didn't even know where to start. You know what I mean? Like they, they've been so, and, and, and not to, not to, to throw any shade or, or say they're not doing their jobs, but you know, they're busy going to work and they get home and they're tired and big bills. They're, kids not, going to they're, college. Not, they're not thinking about like yeah. their kids' medical freedom at school, you know, because they got a, a hundred other things. And a lot of guys just didn't even know where to start to be able to stand on their own two feet, you know, because they've, they've checked out for so long they've become docile they don't have opinions anymore you know what i mean and uh and i saw that as a really bad thing so you know guys would reach out and they would they would just want to know where to start like hey yeah. i want to reclaim my life you know what i mean and a lot of them were staring down mandates you know that they had to get vaccinated or whatever and you know a lot of these men had avoided hard choices their whole life because they were just tired and this was the first hard choice they had to make and they didn't even know how to make it so what I discovered in like just even coaching, you know, men as as business owners, is uh, they do know the right thing to do. They do yeah, know the they hard. Do. They do know the hard thing that they need to do. They just need a little bit of a shove, a little bit of a slap in the ass, or or just a little bit of a mind shift. And uh, you're doing that. I know they you're hooking need up other men. Yes, that's what I mean. And that's all of those things that you mentioned are things that other men give them, not their wives, not their mothers, yeah, not and their that's sisters. Okay. You know, yeah, and that's not that's not a woman. A woman's place isn't to harden a man and to sharpen a man. That's his. That's I call it your tribe. You know what I mean? And what happens with with modern men is that we tend to get isolated as we get older. And things that were common 50 years ago in our father's generation or our grandfather's generation, you know, men's groups. You know, there there was once upon a time when a couple times a week you get home from work and you go down to the to the men's club. And you sit around, you smoke cigars, and you have suburban, and you talk about life, and you talk about business, yeah. and you talk about love, and family, and children, and being a parent, and you work through your fears, and you work through your anxiety, and you you get tested by other men. Yeah, you know, no judgment. No judgment. And it's about, and it's that brotherhood. It's that, that being hard on each other, but also being there for each other, holding each other accountable, holding each other to the standard of being a, a not just a man, but being a good man, being 
a man who not only protects and provides for his family, but can do the right thing in his community and is not afraid to speak out. And, stand and up. we don't have a lot of that anymore because it's been it's been labeled as bad, bad. Like, oh, you're not yeah. inclusive. Like, yeah, why Ian's would you not? Bad. Yeah. And that's and it's healthy. It's men need that. They need each other. You know, the most the most important relationships for a man in in how much of a quality man he will be is not the woman in his life, but it's his friends, you know, because. And you he, can judge a man quickly. Yeah. Well, understanding men, his friends. Men, men become men by being around other men. That, that competition, that rivalry, just pushing each other, holding each other accountable. All those things were missing. So, and you know, again, we started running men's groups. Before we get into that, I, I want to give a little, you know, talk to the ladies. Not that I'm preaching at them, but like those of you who are on the borderline of feminists and, you know, you're not really into that, like maybe just encourage your, your man to go hang out with other good men, yeah. right, that have good intent. We're not going out looking to do the wrong thing and have too many cocktails and end up sleeping with someone else. Like encourage your man to be around another strong man that's doing the right thing in his life yeah. and, and you'll, you'll reap the benefits of that. I learned, I learned from a lot of guys that were doing the right thing, you know, and I, and I, I was growing in that, but... You know, we started to encourage men to get together more and discuss ideas. Like, you know, the the modern man, like the the most exposure he has with male bonding is like going out and chasing girls at a young age. Like, you're not bonding. Me and you go out to the bar at 20 some years old. You know, you and I aren't improving our friendship. We're standing in a place with loud music, not talking to each other, chasing girls. Mm -hmm. That's not that's not what we're talking about. You know, and we're not talking about sitting on the couch watching football all day, as much as I like football. Mm. Or, or, you know, just staring at a screen and reciting sports. You know what I mean? Like, there's got to be a time when men get together and challenge each other. Like, you were talking about something as stupid as, like, wrestling. You know, when you got a disagreement. Yeah. <laughs> Some, sometimes go. you get physical. Um, but each man walks away from that situation a little bit better, with a little bit of better understanding about... Of the next person. Of the next person. And maybe a little bit humbled if he needed his ego checked, or maybe a little bit more confident if he wasn't confident. Mm -hmm. And that's how, as men, we get better. You know, I so just want to clarify that I'm the champion of knee wrestling in the office, so... If anybody wants to maybe. go, we could do that. <laughs> maybe you should come and we can film that shit. You and I will go. We'll go at it. So Best man wins. What is what is the, the, the men's retreat? You know, rattle off a couple that you've been working with the last you know six months to a year. Um, recently, I went down to um, Florida. It's uh, about an hour north of Orlando. They got a nice ranch down there. It's called Full Spectrum Warriors. Um, and the summit is called the Protector's Summit. Um, and it's a three-day retreat. Everybody comes down. They camp right on this beautiful place. It's run by uh, former Navy SEAL Rich Graham. Shout out to Rich. He's doing an awesome thing there. Um, Need to get Rich on the podcast. Dude, he's an awesome guy. He'd be a great guest. Seriously. Um, Hook it up. And, uh, you know, we just, we talked. And there were, uh, there were some lectures from some guys who had uh, some interesting stuff to share. Um, and then we did firearms training. We did uh, some group, some really grueling like group workouts where guys had to, you know, learn and cooperate. One of them was, you know, we ran these guys through like a, a four mile ruck through the woods where teams of anywhere from six to 10 of them were carrying a log on their shoulder the whole time. And you're talking through sand and, you know, and you got guys fighting each other and yelling. But at the end, everybody finishes a little bit better. Yeah, they um, came together. So it's just it's a it was a long weekend and there's a there's a whole lot of that kind of popping up where people are starting to realize the value in it. Like that might seem kind of silly, like go pay some money to go 
run around the woods. I don't think it's silly at all. Yeah, and it's not. It's not because we learned all sorts of stuff. We learned about finance. We learned about business. We learned about you know personal relationships with God. Uh, we learned about being better fathers. Um, we had a wide range of men. We had, I think the youngest guy there was like 20 years old and the oldest guy was 67. That's awesome. Um, and he's down there getting dirty with everybody. Talk about the wisdom gap, right? From yeah. That 60 and it's, to that it, 20. Everybody leaves with just, it, even if it's just one thing and they go home and the idea is go bring that into your community. Go bring that first anywhere. Bring that within yourself and then bring that home to your family, the people that you protect and provide for. And then when you're good there, once your cup is overfilled, pour that out into your community. You know, and, and, and when, your fam when you're better, you're better for your family. When your family's better, your family's better for the community. And when the community's better, the community's better for the country. And that cup just kind of keeps overflowing. Yeah, overflowing. But we've got this, we fell into this trap through the years where we're supposed to care about everybody else first. And that, you know, we care about Ukraine and we care about this place and all our money goes here and all our attention goes here. And then we care about our communities. And then if we have something left, we care about our families. And you look at the family unit falling apart and you wonder why. It's because everybody, by the time they get back to themselves or back to that, that tight unit, the only thing that you have control over in the whole world is, is you and your family. I say it all the time, everything takes money. Yeah. And if I don't have money to fully pay my bills and launch this podcast to help others, right? I'm not doing the right thing. If my bills aren't paid and I'm launching this podcast, I'm not helping anybody because mm -hmm. I'm going to go under quick. Yeah. Everything takes money. Yeah. And a lot of people look at money in the wrong light. Second thing I want to say, you talk about being a father. Congratulations. Thank you. you Almost. Got a, you got a very Almost. healthy baby boy coming. 36 weeks and about six pounds. Any names out there Of yet? course. First boy is a junior. It's junior? All yeah, right. he's an he junior. Be. Yeah. Better be American flag next to his name. Absolutely. I'm a tattoo. He's going to get a tattoo at one. I love it. <laughs> um, and then, you know, talk quickly just you know, about the CBD company as well as your wellness clinics. You know, give us yeah. a little overview of what you have going on with there. Yeah. So uh, after the gym, you know, after after we got our business license back, um, I sold the my shares of the gym to my partner. Um, he's running the gym, doing everything there. But at that point, I had my network had grown where there were new opportunities and new things to do. Um, you mean like you had steak with Trump and yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. Donald I got, Jr. I got, I got quite the Rolodex, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, and, that's, and that's a direct result of us doing the right thing. Good people came to us from all over um, and supported us. And I've now have friends that I, you know, uh, with people that I never even Couldn't thought. Imagine. Yeah. Um, so uh, I looked to some other things for business. So, one of the things I'm involved with now is called uh, Summit Rejuvenation Clinics, and we own uh, five clinics in Missouri, um, and we service all 50 states. We do hormone therapy, so we work with men and women, but we work with a lot of men. A lot of men are walking around these days with, uh, with low testosterone. You know, the, the levels of testosterone that you have, you know, say me, in my body at 36 naturally are about 50% less than what my father and my grandfather had. So give me some numbers. What, sh what should I be at? Um, well, the, the, the medical establishment will tell you anywhere between the U.S. military helicopter 300 right and 800. Um, but they have changed that scale. So when your father was going to the doctor at your age or your grandfather, that scale was like 500 to like 1,100 or 500 to 1,000, whatever it was. But the medical establishment just shifted that scale downward. Um, so they'll tell you if you have 300, 
that you're totally fine, but you're walking around feeling like absolute shit. You're tired, you're not focused, your libido might be gone, um, you're putting on body fat at a, at a quicker rate, you're not recovering well, no matter how much you sleep, you still feel like shit, you're irritable, all these things. Uh, and guys are going to the doctor, getting blood work, and a lot of these doctors are saying, well, you're at 300, you're fine. The reality is, is you're not. You know, as a, as a man in your 30s or a man in your 40s, you should be up in the seven, 800 range. So, so let me ask you, the, the, the common um, negative thing that's spoken about it is, you know, you know, the cancers that it may spark yeah. or all these negative things because you're injecting. Yeah, it is at the end of the day, natural testosterone, but it it's makes, a synthetic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's synthetic. It's, it's syn- a pharmaceutical. So what do you have to say about that? How do you combat that? Well, you want to take the approach, you know, you don't ever want to rely wholly on pharmaceuticals. Um, that's not a good option, I think, I think, at all. Yeah, obviously, you know, coming from somebody who fought, you know, big pharma totally. and everything. Um, but today's world, we're being sort of poisoned um, by convenience. Everything that you eat or drink touches plastic. Uh, there's environmental toxins. Um, your drinking water, yeah. you know, is, is, filled, is filled with pharmaceuticals. Soil oil. All these things are slowly kind of having a, a detrimental effect on your level. So even with the best lifestyle choices, a lot of men are still swimming against the current trying to get normal, natural levels. Yeah, I think I was at 400. I need to juice that up. Yes, you should. Yeah, let's get yeah, connected on that. Um, absolutely. You'll feel 10 times better, you know, being double that level. Um, you know, so... We don't advocate for just reliance on that. But what that can do is kind of push you in the right direction to, alongside of that use of pharmaceuticals, to change your lifestyle, right? It's like a positive feedback cycle. So you're feeling like crap, you're not really performing in the gym, you know, your levels are low. You come in, you get a consult, you get some blood work, we put you on the minimal amount to get results, yeah. you know? A lot, of, a lot of the misconceptions and the taboo. Recovery is tough for me. Recover, you get after it hard. Recovery, recovery is one. No Absolutely. recovery. Absolutely. So, and that testosterone has an effect on all that. So what, um, what happens, though, is if I make you feel a little bit better, you know, by, by putting you on a, a very low dose of testosterone to bump your levels up, you're going to recover better. You're going to feel, you're going to have more energy in the gym. You're going to get better workouts. You're going to feel better. You're going to eat I'm better. Gonna do more workouts. You're going to sleep better. And that's... The more you do that, the more your test levels will naturally rise as well. So you want to always do that along good lifestyle choices. Same thing as any pharmaceutical. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got heart problems, you know, because you're overweight or you're diabetic. You know, do you just rely on the insulin? No, you should also go to the gym and change your lifestyle too, you know, to, to augment what you're doing. You don't want to rely on that as a fix. So we're, we're big advocates on that. And then, you know, the, the horror stories that people hear about steroids and the misconceptions and the taboo are usually told by people who did it horribly wrong. Like when, when you talk to guys, like, dude, I went bald, you know, I got, I got bitch yeah. tits, and it's like, well, they went well, too hard. Well, where, first of all, where'd you get your stuff? You know, oh, you got it from the guy, China, the guy who's cooking it in his bathtub, you know what I mean? Um, so you don't know where it's coming from, you don't know if it's properly dosed. And then a lot of guys, they don't even know what they're doing, you know, and it's, if you're going to go down that route. Yeah, they're not taking blood work, they're not monitoring the blood. Exactly. If, if you do it, under the guidance of a professional and you do it with blood work, it can be done relatively safely. Are there still some, some risks? Yeah. Sure is, absolutely. I, I, I'm more interested in it. Um, but it's about approaching it in a sensible manner. You know, like I said, those horror stories are from guys, you know, you hear about the guy who, you know, who lost all his hair and all this stuff. Well, you know, what was he on? 
you know, he was on testosterone and about probably six or seven other things as well. You know, and his dosage was probably, you know, he was putting his levels up in the 2000s. Of course, that's going to be bad. Yeah. You know, super it, that's that's like the bodybuilding world. Yeah. Right. Most guys are not interested in taking testosterone to be the next Mr. Olympia. Most guys are interested in testosterone because they're tired and because they don't have enough energy to play with their kids or because they don't want to, you know, make love to their wife at the end of the night because their libido shot or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yep. You know, so it's a minimal dose for the maximal effectiveness. And we approach it with that minimalistic standpoint where we give you a little bit, see how you're feeling. Hey, you're feeling better? You don't need to take anymore. It's wise. You're, yeah. you're, you're doing beta tests and you're figuring out what works yeah. for and, um, every and it's individual. All about, it's, it's all about education. You know, like... As a, as a grown individual, there's no reason why you shouldn't understand your blood work. You know, but most people, they go to the doctor, they get blood work like once a year maybe, and the doctor's like, this is good, this is bad. You know, go on a beta blocker, your cholesterol's too high. But they're not understanding what any of these things are. Blood work is an excellent way to get a detailed look at how your body operates from the inside. And you guys do all that. You'll come in, you'll do it. You know, what if I'm here in Jersey, you're out in... We send you a script. You go to LabCorp. The results come to us. Our doctor calls you. So you can work with people in Jersey. Work with people in all 50 states. Yeah. So um, you go get the blood work. It comes in a week later. We call you and we say, hey, this is good. This is bad. Here's some things that we recommend um, in terms of supplementation, in terms of diet. If you want to go with pharmaceuticals, here's some options. And here's also some lifestyle choices that you should probably make. You know, maybe you should... You know, you got, a, you got a lot of guys that, uh, with the legalization of cannabis, a lot of guys are everyday smokers. I'm an everyday smoker. That has an impact on your testosterone levels. Mm-hmm. Drinking, another thing. Mm-hmm. You know, stress, another thing. Lack of sleep, another thing. Working yeah. too much, another thing. You got to combat each area a little bit. Yeah, so you, you make the improvements where you can, and eventually the idea is that um, you'll be a radically different person um, because now you understand what makes you feel good, what doesn't make you feel good, what's healthy for you, what's not healthy for you, and you got some help along the way. You have a baseline. Yeah, and you have a good guidance. baseline. Rolling into the CBD a little bit, you yeah. know, give us a brief overview of that and name of the company. So uh, that's Recovery CBD. Um, my partner is actually, uh, he was a supporter of the gym. Uh, he's based out of Maine, uh, and when we had that veterans outreach workout, uh, we pulled in businesses from everywhere, because the idea was, we want to raise a bunch of money for veterans, um, and we're going to need some help doing it. So come down, support us, donate, set up shop, display your product, whatever you want to do. And uh, he had started during COVID, um, built this CBD business, you know, just from from a one-stop shed or one, one, little, one little room uh, bootstrap operation and built it. And uh, we stayed in touch and stayed in touch. And as I was kind of exiting Attilus, you know, he called me, or I, I called him. Um, and I was actually working uh, sponsored with a CBD company at the time. I was working with a different company just as a, you know, a sponsored athlete. And, uh, you know, I said, I, I like this CBD stuff. It's, it's done wonders for me and my recovery. I feel better on it. You know, I said, but, you know, I, I'd, I'd rather work with you. You know, you're, uh, you've become a friend over the years. And he said, I'm, I'm glad you called. He said, because, you know, the business is growing. Uh, he's had three successful years, has grown um, year one to year two, I think he quadrupled his sales. And then, uh, year three was on track to kind of, uh, build upon that. And, uh, he said, uh, I can no longer run this business by myself, you know, so I want to bring you in as the, and you guys are fully produced in the U S of a. Yeah. Direct. Uh, yeah. So he brought me on as the director of brand management. 
Um, we, unlike most CBD, com- most CBD, you know, CBD, you had, um, you had like a gold rush, you yeah. know, like hot CB- product. Hot. C- yeah, it was like Get everybody. Everybody in there, anybody who had a little bit of a celebrity name or some yeah, money, they just tied to was it. Was approached by somebody who sold them, "Hey, I'll white label CBD for you, and we'll put your face on it." You know, and every celebrity or every you know, and and there were a lot of brands that came and went because the product messaging was up here, and it's like CBD, it fixes everything. Um, and then the consumer knowledge was here because people are like, "So it's weed in a bottle?" Yeah, and it's like, no, so. What we have done is we have lowered the messaging and made it more concise and more clear um, with a quality product. You know, it's not going to cure everything. It's we're, we're trying to replace your ibuprofen. You know, it's about fighting inflammation in the body. It's about reduction of pain, anxiety, stress. Um, and it's something that should be a daily supplement and it's THC free and whatever. Um, and then at the same time, we educate the consumers. So and in all of our accounts, we go into the account when it opens, whether it's a gym or it's a chiropractor's office or whatever. And we come in and we educate them so that they can educate people on the product. Um, and we made it affordable. You know, again, a lot of the CBD businesses that propped up, it was white label. So you buy 10,000 bottles at 20 bucks a bottle and good luck, sell them for whatever you want. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a transactional business. You had- Volume game. Yeah, and you had people are just trying to sell one bottle and move on to the next sale where we want people to come back and we want you to buy a bottle every month and we're going to make it affordable for you because we make it ourselves. It's not manufactured. There's no middleman. We manufacture and we do retail. Um, and it's a beautiful business model. It's worked really well. But the idea behind uh, Leo is my partner. Um, Leo built the business um, and he always says by not getting out in front of his skis. So we, even though we're, we're in over 100 retail locations and we just tacked on like 30 more the other day, um, we produce each batch as we go. So we're never sitting on product. Yeah. We never have to get rid of anything. And because we produce it, we can say, hey, try this. Yeah. That's, that's, our, that's, our, you know, that's our, our game. Is, Here's it bullshit. Try it out. Here. Yeah. Try it. And if you have questions, here's how to contact us. Here's our personal email. We answer every single I one. I need to try some of that. Um, yeah. And it's people try it and then they're like, hmm, this is better than what I tried before because it's properly dosed. It's made right, you know, and it's made well. Um, and, and little by little, it, the business is growing. We're looking at some huge accounts in, in the next coming year. We just, like I said, we just landed an account with 30 stores uh, in a chain store out in, uh, it's called S2. Uh, it's out in Missouri and uh, in Kansas and Illinois. You need some um, good partnerships here with a podcast here in Jersey. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's it's now it now that's what I came aboard for was yeah. to to grow the brand because talk about it. Leo built it, and now it's let's get it out in front of the eyes, you know, of more people. Let's get it in more stores. Let's get it in front of people. Let's educate them on the product. And what a better guy that somebody who's come from the exercise fitness world and someone yeah. who's well spoken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, it's awesome. You know, moving we, we you have to help people. Yeah, and, and moving you along. Is there anything else that you've you know dipped your toes in that you're working on that you want to talk about? You're excited about? Yeah, uh, so I'm working on a book. Oh, here we go. Um, working on a book. I have been working on a book for a very, very long time. We were going to write a book about the Attila story. Um, time out. Was there a woman who was writing a book? A wo- woman and her husband and. When the feds came in or something, they had they had. Uh, there was uh, there was a publisher who was um, originally the book was going to be ghost written, um, and I decided that I wanted to write it. So now uh, it's a bit of an autobiography. 
So I'm writing and self-publishing it now. Um, that, that didn't work out with the publisher. Um, so now it's, uh, it's just something that I'm working on and it's, it's kind of what we talked about. It's a story, you know, I talk about my accident, I talk about the struggles that I went through, what prison was like, the lessons that I learned along the way, um, and the journey that I've had in becoming a better person. Um, more of an asset to my community than a liability because once upon a time I certainly was a liability. Um, and it's just a story, you know, it's a story about what I've been through, but it's, it's, it's filled with lessons that I've learned along the way that hopefully others can learn without learning them the hard way like I did. They know, will. Because um, you don't always have to learn by banging your head into the wall. Uh, <laughs> like I have you can my shorten whole, your learning my curve whole life. A little yeah, bit. Yeah, you can, you can learn some good lessons from other people. Um, and, and that's the aim of the book. So that'll be, I'm actually working on the final edit right now. That's um, awesome. Please let me give you one of the first couple copies. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll send you some copies out. Maybe maybe we'll come back on and talk yeah, about the we'll, book. Yeah, we'll talk about the book for sure. Yeah. So, so ending this out, I'd like to ask two questions to every guest. All right. First question, if you can give a young entrepreneur, small business owner, one tip, one saying, what would that be? <laughs> um, easy, man. Don't, ev don't ever tell yourself the lie that many people, I think we all tell ourselves at one point, and that's I'm just one person. Um, you know, everything that's happened at Attilus, you know, started from two, two dumb gym owners who, you know, we were, we were just two obscure gym owners in, in, you know, in a quiet corner of New Jersey. And uh, we started a national movement that grew bigger than I... To a world movement. Yeah, to, to a, bigger than I ever could have imagined, you know. And I've been blessed enough to talk to a lot of people who have thanked me for what I did um, and told me how it inspired them, you know. And, and all my life, I, I, I never thought I was capable of something like that. You know, I always said, like, oh, I'm just one person. Like, what does it matter what I yeah, do? Yeah, who am I? Yeah, what, is, what does it matter if I don't open my gym. What does it matter if I, you know, who's watching me? Yeah. But you never know who's, who's watching Who's going to read you. my book? You never, exactly. You never know who's watching you. Um, and if you would have asked me three years ago if I would have had the impact on the world that I have, I would have said, nope, I'm just I'm one I'm going to tell person. you right now, a lot of people are watching you. Yeah. And now a lot of people are watching me. <laughs> there, there's absolutely nothing inherently special about me that anybody else doesn't have yeah. or at least doesn't have the capacity to develop. That's so. the biggest thing I learned, you know, in the financial world, getting out to conferences, guys making two, three, four million dollars here in their store. I'm like, oh, this dude's no different than me. No different. No Nothing. different. It's just, it's a matter of how bad do you want it? How hard are you willing to work for it? And how long are you willing to persevere through the ups and downs? And you can do, I mean, anything. I, I got to give anything. a plug to, to our event again coming up the event NJ and we're going to be talking a lot about that. Yeah, I'll be my, there. Yeah, please be there. You know, my story, Keaton's story, I mean, and Nick, I mean, we're no different than anybody else. No different. You're no different as you're talking to yeah. it. You're just not you're not just one person because don't limit your beliefs. So many people are watching you and you don't even know. And they may walk, you know, the same footsteps or their their walk was parallel to yours, maybe slightly different but the same. We have the same connection. No one's different. You can go obtain anything that you fucking want in the United States of America. Especially, yeah, especially in this country. Second question. We want to give two shout-outs, right? We talked about First Form a lot. We talked about your other companies. Give us two other business owners, and obviously let, let's talk nationally yeah. or locally to, to your area that you want to give some love to. 
Um, well, the one I, I, I have to give a shout out to my dear friends, one of my best friends in the entire world, Andy Priscilla. Yeah, great dude. Um, he has become like a brother to me. He was there um, to pick up the phone when I was scared, when I was discouraged, when I was frustrated, when I was angry, when I was lost, when I was drowning. He was always there for me. Um, and he didn't need to step in to my side. You know, he didn't, he didn't have a dog in the fight, or at least it appeared, you know, but he said something to me one day. Um, you know, I asked him why he was helping me. And he said, you know, he said, I, I don't, I'm unaffected by what's going on. He said, but I'm not stupid enough to think that. They when, won't come for me. When they're done with me, they won't come, or when they're done with you, they won't come for me. And, um, you know, a, a ton of people stepped up. I don't, I don't mean to discredit anybody, but nobody stepped up more personally for me than Andy, bringing me into first form, uh, bringing me on as an athlete. Um, but even just on a personal level, he's taught me a lot. He helped me navigate uh, fame, um, helped me not get lost in it because a lot of people, you know, the cameras are on him and all yeah. of a sudden. Ego, ego. Ego. You yeah, and there were, I mean, there were many times where he had to check me, where he was like, bro, don't get, don't, don't, yeah. don't get your head you too think big. You are? Yeah. Um, and he kept me grounded through it all. So I, just a huge shout out to him. 75 hard. My whole crew did it last year in yeah, January. Yeah, man. Good program. Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing I had taken from it, Andy, if you see this, is, uh, you know, the intention with your time. That's it. Holy That's, shit, man. And, and I thought I was busy. You have. I thought I was busy. Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden, you, you know, you got two young kids. You're sneaking in to work out and two workouts. You're reading those pages. You're drinking that water. You're staying on that diet. You're still working. Mm -hmm. Like, man, be intentional with your time. Like, that was the most powerful thing I'd yeah. taken from it. And you, you learn to do the things that you don't want to do, even, you know, even when you don't want to do them. And you learn that you're capable of so much more. Um, yeah, yeah, Andy's leading. Andy's leading for a lot of guys who who walked in my footsteps. He he definitely is. And it's another dude that came from nothing. Yeah, came from fucking nothing, man. Came from a dirt dirt road in, in St. Louis. And Andy, you know? I say this in the most loving way. I'm fucking coming for you, bro. Like I, I all and these he, guys, he, <laughs> and he likes it. You know, he, he he absolutely wants you to come for him. Yeah, because that's what keeps him going. And that's you know, and it's it's about hey hey if we're all we're all competing for that first spot, guess what? We're all gonna win. Yeah, you know we're all, we're all gonna wind up in the winner's circle. All boats rise with the fucking tide. That's dude. fucking right. That's right. So well, who's your second person? Give us your second, and we'll round this out. Man, second person. It's not even business. It's just uh, you know I got to give a shout out to to all the people that made this all possible. Um, you know, if it was two dumb gym owners who who opened their gym and and nobody cared about what we did, and whether you were a member of the gym, whether you were just somebody local in New Jersey whether you were somebody from around the country or around the world, you know, people gave us that ability to do something impossible. They gave you the power. We stood we stood toe to toe with one of the most powerful governors in this country and drew a line in the sand and said, try us. And they did. They pushed we were, on you hard. We were able, no matter what, to persevere because people got behind us, they believed in us, they gave us love, support, prayers, financial support, bodies in the gym, volunteer time, just resharing the story. I mean, all of it is a true testament to what happens when we can work together. Um, and, and I'm very, very thankful for that because if nobody cared, we would have opened our gym, they would have hit us with some fines that we weren't able to pay. 
they would have locked us up and nobody 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 would ever knew about Attilus. You know, it would have been two guys. Dead story. Yeah, it would have been a dead story and, and, and that's it. And the story of Attilus wouldn't have traveled around the world and we wouldn't have been able to persevere and, and show the world that, you know, it is freedom matters. It is okay to stand up for what you believe in. And um I'm and that tell you'll, you right come, now, you'll come through on the other side all right. I don't know everything, but I I know you're gonna do big shit, dude. Like bigger than you have already done, and and uh, I hope I could just eat off the crumbs of that and come alongside <laughs> with you, dude. Seriously, maybe gonna, we'll host an event together. Yeah, we should, dude. I, I would love to do some shit with men. Yeah, I think that's a big emphasis. Uh, we don't put enough emphasis on having our queens at home with our kids anymore. You know, women got to go to work and they got to be CEOs, and I'm not mad at any of that. Um, but to have my wife at home, my two kids, there's like nothing, I can get out and run like a thoroughbred every day. There's like, nothing better. Let me you know, protect. That's, let me. That's the dynamic of teamwork, and I think I think we're I think people are starting to see the value in that. We lost that, you know, for one reason or another, and women were told that it was it was somehow lower of them to stay at home and yeah, be a it was mother. A bad but, to, thing. but to me, there's nothing there's nothing more important than, than having somebody who is willing to do that job day in day out. And it's the um, hardest fucking job. You. Yeah, and it, it, that's the harder job. You know, I'm going to work all day. Yeah. But to trust you to go out and provide and to put all of her faith into you, you know, that's what that's what yeah. being a man's all about. Fuck you know, yeah. is is having people who depend on you and going out and getting it done every day. That lights and when a fire you have under your that, ass. When you have that, exactly, just took the words right out of my mouth. Lights a fire under your ass like nothing else. Yeah. And that's what people need to do. And and, and business ownership, like jump off that cliff. Light that fire, get rid of every resource, and go for it for your family. Jump in the deep end. Jump Ian, the deep this end. has been fucking awesome. Again, an honor. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate you. Everything that you did um, as a business owner, people who may look at you the wrong way because they were on the other side of COVID or whatever it may have been, you're a smart guy. You're a smart business owner. You've been very tactful. And, again, I think you're going to do big things. Well, thank Cheers. You. Thanks again. It. Cheers, brother.